This is Psychic Warfare. Welcome back, my friends, once again to Psychic Warfare, the podcast where spirituality and philosophy collide with heavy metal and rock and roll. I am your host, Chris Keelick, and thank you so much for joining me once again on another journey into the lives and minds of the most iconic musicians in heavy music. This week, I am joined by Eva Marie, vocalist of Eva Under Fire. They are a hard rock quartet out of Detroit, Michigan, and they are blowing up, let me tell you, on Sirius XM, Sirius XM's Octane Station. Uh, they just dropped a new album, their debut album, Love, Drugs, and Misery, this past March. You can find that wherever you stream your music. They've also just come off playing two of the biggest heavy music stages that you can play in the United States, at least, at both Louder Than Life and Aftershock Festival. Uh, their song Blow, which features Spencer Charnas from Ice Nine Kills, is also featured on the soundtrack for the movie The Retaliators. Needless to say, these guys are making a lot of waves already, and Eva is at the forefront of that wave with her absolute powerhouse of a voice. Eva, welcome to Psychic Warfare, and thank you so much for being here today. What an intro. Holy smokes. I love it. You all have done your homework. So um, yes, we are, we're really excited to, to finally be in a space where we can get started. Um, just dropped to the brand new album. Um, and and as you mentioned, I love the, the way that you described Aftershock and Louder Than Life because it's it's literally like they were huge. It was insane. So we have, we have so much fun. It's true. I mean, it literally is true. They are the biggest stages you could probably play in the United States, at least yep. for, for rock and metal. Like that's the place and you're there and you got it. And so I guess this this should be maybe a no brainer. But my first question to everybody that I have on is always, how are you feeling in this moment in time, mentally, physically and spiritually? Oh, man like you just ran the longest marathon of your life and you just crossed the finish line <laughs> and like, and, the, and you were happy with the result, you know, just like, all right, I got the, I got a great place, you know, uh, maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't come in first, although we were first on rock and metal when we released Hell yeah! <laughs> the, <laughs> when we released the, uh, the album. So I guess that maybe I did come in first after all that time long awaited. So, uh, feeling, feeling really, um, fulfilled, but man, exhausted, need some water after that. What Absolutely. Hydration is key. <laughs> Hydration is key. So definitely have yeah. some water. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to start off with this. I, I think that, and, and this, this, this doesn't definitely doesn't just apply to you guys. I think this applies to a lot of kind of artists that are more like in the hard rock kind of side of things. I think that when people look at or hear a lot of lyrics in hard rock and maybe Eva under fire lyrics, they might think that or wonder, you know, where's the, the spirituality or philosophy connection in them? Mm -hmm. But they're filled with personal experiences and moments where you know we find ourselves asking big questions about life. You find yourself asking big questions about life. And I think that if anyone has ever asked a big question about existence or pain or the meaning of certain experiences that we have, you're a philosopher in that moment. Like you are asking those questions and then writing them down and translating them through your your personal experiences and your lyrics. You know, what do you what do you think about that? Do you feel that way? How often do you find yourself asking those kinds of questions? You know, it's a cool interpretation of what we do because I feel like in 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 particularly for when I write my lyrics, it's more of I am feeling a way and I want to express it. And so it's just, it exists sort of in this microcosm and I'm not really focused too much on like the bigger picture, the larger implications of that. But I guess when you kind of turn it around on its head after the song is written and you've heard it and things are like finally in a, in a you know, they, they exist in the universe, right? And you hear the song and you go, yeah, maybe I could ask a bigger question. I guess maybe in that moment I was, 
you could you could have a lot of philosophical implications for what it was that was being done in that moment. But I, I think it all kind of boils down to human existence, right? Whether you're looking at it in like a very small um, space, a very personal space, uh, where which is typically where I write from, or if you're looking at the grand scheme of things, it, it's all kind of um, from a similar exactly. Uh, it it may be experience. kind of it may be kind of out of reach to some degree, not out of reach, but like out of your out of mind to a certain degree in the moment, but really those, that's exactly what you're doing in the sense of you're going through, you know, you're writing about a breakup or your, or grief. And you're, you're thinking, man, like, why is this happened to me? Like, why me? Why did I go through this? You know, this really sucks. And you're wondering, I wish it wasn't this way. Why does it have to be this way? Why does it have to feel this crappy or the other side, or you're feeling, you know, a lot of joy and passion and you're kind of you know, embracing the 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 Epicurean hedonist hedonistic rock and roll life. You know, it's it's a little bit of both on both sides. And I wanted to ask, you know, I, your real name is uh, Amanda Lieberg, but you know, I just saw the interview you did for for DWP at Aftershock. Yeah, you, you talked about how you embraced the the Eva name after fans, in a way, kind of gave it to you from from coming up and and just calling you that. You know, have you felt that the Eva name? Uh, has become an alter ego of sorts or a persona that kind of connects you even more to what you write and what you sing about? I think it's a really cool interpretation, I guess, of that. I, I don't feel like it's something aside from who I am. I feel like maybe Eva names a specific part of me, um, which is fun. And I didn't realize that what started as a song reference and then became a, a title would have any I don't know. I, I guess it would be cool. It'll be cool to see what happens next, I think, with that name, uh, because right now it was a happy accident. Right. And um, but I, I see so many people that are out there singing along with our songs and like rocking out when we play and like they all want to come over and like take pictures at the merch booth afterwards. And it's just so it's become almost like this this um, I guess a flag that we wave we didn't really have anything else that we would stand for as like a, a, a pinnacle, you know, it's like, Hey, we're all human. We all bleed red. We all belong here. And that's really the only thing that mattered um, for us as musicians, what we wanted to translate and speak to our audience about was just, you know, be kind to self and to others. I mean, we're all on this floating rock together. Um, and, and no matter what others believe, no matter what I believe, like I'm a Christian, but I, I can't say the same for, everybody's faith base that we encounter. I mean, this is, but what, what I wanted to say is that we are all human and that is, that is the most relevant and it should be bringing us together. And so it's, it's a really cool thing now that I have this name that kind of symbolizes that collective, I feel. Um, and it makes me belong to our, our brand, our music, but also the people who are part of, part of the Eva under fire family now, you know, which is a cool thing. So Absolutely. And I think you're going to love this this next thread that I wanted to go down with you because I really I got excited to talk about this with you. And this is probably going too deep, but I guess that's my job on this podcast in a way. Right. Um, this is the space for it, friend. Yes, the this, band off. <laughs> this is the space for it. Um, the alter ego idea, it makes me think of um, the famous psychiatrist Carl Jung. Um, he said a small evil becomes a big one through being disregarded and repressed, the shadow is very much a part of human nature and it is only at night that no shadows exist. Mm. And I think there's two, two cool things about that quote that I wanted to ask you about. Um, you mentioned to some degree of this. Have you felt 
that going forward, the even name is a, it's a bit representative of of your shadow self, you know, the darker side a little bit or the rock and roll side or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But do you feel sure. that a little bit? She's definitely a sassy woman. <laughs> She's, you know, it, it, it's a little bit more bold, a little bit more brave. Yeah, I would say maybe even more abrasive um, than I am off stage. Um, but I see flickers, like you said, it's part of me. And that's why I didn't want to necessarily separate them in psychology when we talk about like a fragmented psyche, right? Like there are alters and different other things that happen as a result of like, there's no more cohesion because those parts have fractured in an attempt to protect each other. And that's, um, can really be confusing and very scary. And like, I mean, consciousness at that point, and when you're in one space or the other is very disjointed. Um, and so, but once you have someone who understands how to work with that, bring everything back into more of a cohesive thing, um, and you start honoring that these are parts, parts of a whole, and then you start recognizing the whole and you start recognizing that this is acceptable and not just acceptable, but normal for other people to have all of these different spaces within themselves. There might be a, a moment where you feel you have to be bold or brave or you have to be loud and you're typically not. But like in that space, it's required, you know, or it's it's um, needed, I guess. Right. Uh, so I, I like that this is this Eva thing is, uh, I think, names a part of me because I do see her when I'm faced with a scenario in life, like uh, someone's talking over me. Right. And I go, that's not what I said. Right. <laughs> and they right. go, oh, I, been there, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, you know, or or um, you have to clarify something or you have to, like, ask a hard question from someone else. Like, listen. You've been avoiding my calls. I'm it not really out. sure what's happening. Yeah. But like, we need to talk about this and it needs to happen now. Right? That's important. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. So like when you have to be like cut to the chase, like those are the moments where I see that same woman that's on the stage. The time going, for the time for bullshit is over at that point. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And usually I'm a pretty like chill person. I always sort of say that like I'm PG-13 at best. Like that's, <laughs> that's sort of my, yeah. if I could give my person yeah. a rating, um, that would be it. And, but I, I think I embody that on the stage as well. Like I can be all that I want to be and need to be up there. And I feel like that's a really cool part of who I am. Um, but I don't endeavor for it to be a completely different side of myself right. or a completely different entity character almost i think that at that point it would become a character absolutely and this goes beyond you know rock and metal but i think rock and metal are genres where people can more fully embrace their their shadow self as as jung would call it and in a sense this is like you said it's what makes a more authentic life whereas there's this understanding and cathartic work on acknowledging the dark parts of ourselves or, or the more you know assertive parts of ourselves but finding especially together it shows that we're all the same in this way and we band together to help each other embrace our authenticity. I guess in that sense, a show, a rock or metal show would be like what Jung calls in that quote, the night. It's we're all shadow or at least all the shadows, they meld together, you know, which is it's pretty, pretty metal and a great album title, by the way, which yeah. someone should steal that. <laughs> right. Um, someone should steal that. He, he, no, he, I, he, I hear you. He, yeah, I think he, that's I think that's really valid. Yeah, he, he believed that the goal of being of humans is it's not perfection, but wholeness. 
And that only mm -hmm. comes from integrating the darkness and repressed parts of yourself. And I think that's what heavy music is all about and, and the community it shows. Do you feel the same way? You know, how have you experienced and seen this personally, both within yourself and in fans of your band at shows? I've talked about this a million times, I feel like, too, because rock as a genre not only expects this, but honors this. And when you're not authentic and you come to the table at a rock show, you'll get called real quick. I mean, you're not fooling anybody when you're if you're on that stage and you're not being authentic or there's something, you know, not really quite right about, you know, like the vibe is just off and like people are just they they don't get into it. And maybe they don't like, you know, crucify whoever is up there or whatever, but they just <laughs> there, there is no there is no emotional connection and they feel that and that's what they gravitate to. And so when you don't give that to them, there's nothing for them to grab hold of. And I feel like rock and metal in that way, when you do share those moments and you, you take off all of that expected, I guess, perfectionism from the outside world and like societal norms right. and like all these different things. And you just take all this off and you go, this is me. And they go, awesome. Come on in. Right. It's like, yeah. this is, this is the tribe. That is, that is how you gain access to the tribe is like, you just have to be real. And it doesn't even mean that you have to be, I used to think that I didn't belong in rock music because it, it felt too abrasive and too like mm -hmm. just burnout and, and stuff like that. I've never, you know, had any of those. I mean, I, I come from a world that's familiar with that, but on, on my personal walk, I've never experienced those things. I've never been that, you know, degenerate teenager. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, like exactly. My parents would probably give you an, a report of my teenage years. I was very mild salsa. Um, so that's I me. that's me, by the way, also, <laughs> I do have a rebellious streak, but it didn't look like other people's rebellious streaks that I saw around me. And so I didn't feel like I fit. And that's not the requirement. Like you said, it's not supposed to fit a mold. There is no bar or rubric or blueprint for what it's supposed to look like. It's just supposed to be you. And that's it. And then welcome to the tribe. Now we can all rock out together and have this amazing time. And like heavy metal music is just like, how, how awesome is it that it just evokes so much real emotion? I, I just think it's the coolest thing. Yeah, And you feel that it, it helps you come to terms or celebrate part, those, like you said, those parts of yourself that are hard to accept maybe out of that, out of that world or make you feel like you said you don't belong or that, you know, it's something to be fixed, but in reality kind of is a huge part of that authenticity is a huge part of your authentic life. Yes. And I feel like because of that, because there is such a realness that is expected within this community, when you take all of that costume off, I guess, and you present yourself before the board of, of rock music, uh, you know, like it's basically just you before a crowd of people like the rock show, like when you go to concerts, the right? The tribe has like, spoken, Survivor. They, Yes, they will. They will not only like embrace, but also check on you, man. The the number one rule in the pit is if somebody falls, you pick, them, pick up. them up like you're looking up, looking out for each other in there, you know, and I don't think that people I don't know that other genres really experience that in the same way. I mean, I've been to other concerts, but like there's just nothing like a rock concert for me, man. And the, and the, the energy that you're talking about, it's so reciprocal. Like that's probably the number one thing I want people to understand is like the audience is there for entertainment and they just love the show, but it's also like, because it's so meaningful to them, they want to be part of the show. So when they bring that energy to the front of the stage and I give that back to them, 
now all of a sudden it's like this giant I hear you moment and it's the most beautiful thing ever especially when they sing some meaningful lyrics back to you I just melt uh, I've never I've never had the good fortune uh, and I don't think I'm talented enough to get up on stage and sing but aside from karaoke and that's probably not an experience that people want to have with me <laughs> um but I I can only imagine that it's it's just a every every interview you've ever heard in music history is just like it's a, it's a high unlike anything else and yeah you know I think on a on another human level beyond all genres even when you when you step out of the out of the concert or out of the room we go back to our our homes it's it is so hard we still are left with kind of our internal thoughts on a day to day basis and that notion of wholeness versus perfection. I think sometimes we we were so hard on ourselves and we we strive to be what we, you know, quote unquote, perfect, societally perfect or in the eyes of our peers or friends or, you know, anything like that. How do you feel about how do how could people find the importance of approaching and, and going after finding wholeness rather than perfection? Because I think some if you chase perfection, that can be that could be toxic and that can really, you know, really impact your mental state in a negative way and and, and push you even further down. Do not chase the love of others first. Love self first. Learn that first. Because you are not sure what you're looking for, how to look for it, right? Because from when we're very small kids, you know, when we grow up in whatever various environments that we come up in, that's when we start to learn what love looks like. What do I ask for? What do I look for? And I I think some of that's very skewed. And very flawed. And people don't understand that that builds within them like a polarity to who they're attracting in their life, who they're allowing in their life. And like all of we're looking for, I mean, that's the we are all human thing. I really think that the only other blanket statement that I can say about humanity is that we are all seeking love. I mean, and that's when you feel that you have something to hang on to. Um, and it, it, it validates your experience. It normalizes your experience. It tells you that you're cared for. It tells you all of these different things. I mean, who doesn't want those things? Right. But like when you are so attuned to trying and getting approval from others and you don't know where you're looking and you're not sure what you should be looking for, big problems. Right. Absolutely. And you know, what, what have you personally done just as an aside, you know, to when you faced yourself have faced, how did you come to that realization and what, what are strategies you implemented to, to help with that? I mean, I, I had a, a childhood that was very supportive of me. My parents were very supportive of me. My brother was a very loving kid, you know, like we all had, like, I would, I would say I had a relatively fulfilling and functional, like childhood normative. No but fulfilling and functioning. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, difference um, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents were very honest with us kids from when we were little about like, here's this thing called life. You're going to trip and fall and stumble and that's fine. You should talk to me about it when you do because we know it's going to happen. Like, It's not the end of the world or the death of you if you get caught doing stuff you're not supposed to. Like, We want to be helpful. Um, also, don't do stuff that you're not supposed to because you're going to regret it. And it might not have anything to do with my punishment of you. Right. So like I had those, that baseline, which I think was very important for me, but along the way you see, and you start to compare yourself amongst your friends and amongst your peers and 
you know, you strive for things in your own life to outside of just your, what your parents have taught you. And I think I, I really needed to, I had a self, like a, a safe space to self explore. And I, I did a lot of that at various points in my life. Um, when I was a kid, I loved to sing. You couldn't shut me up. So my dad went down the road to the local Mike Carey music shop and got me my very first microphone. Um, but I didn't know what else I wanted to do with that. I would just sing, like you mentioned karaoke, right? <laughs> but I was always Unfortunately for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was always karaoke. I'll try not to bring it up like, again. <laughs> yeah, karaoke is for everybody, by the way. This is not for like professional people that are supposed to be on the stage somewhere, right? It's just, I'll tell you them you fun, said that next time I'm step up yes, to the mic. Yes, if you have fun hollering in a microphone, that is valid. Um, but that, you know, so I, I had always stuck to what I thought was, I was supposed to be singing, which is any other female vocalist in my time, which was the nineties. So like, I don't know, I was trying to keep up with these women that I had no business trying to keep up with, uh, Alicia Keys, Christina Aguilera. I was very pop influenced child. Hmm. So when my friend told me to come over to the dark side and try out for her boyfriend, then boyfriend's rock band, I was like, no way, not happening. Hmm. They're going to call me a poser this is going to go bad. And, and then, you know, so fast forward, I, I did that. I learned from it that that's where it became very clear to me that I could own this music also in my own way though. I didn't have to, it didn't have to look like my parents burnout 1980s story where they were all like amazing, like Led Zeppelin, Metallica fans and things like that. They like, they grew up on the greats, you know, the icons, right? I didn't, I didn't show up till new metal. And I thought that meant I was like out of the gate. I thought I was like, never. Yeah. <laughs> For those you who can't see, it. I'm wearing shout out to the punk rock MBA. I'm wearing his <laughs> shirt that says listen to new metal on it, by That's the way. Amazing. <laughs> see, you didn't even know, but now we're best friends. We're best so friends. That's that. it. Uh, yeah. So, so you, you do, you go through, you go through these moments. And I think the best thing that I could say to anyone who's like, well, how do I explore self-love? Um, you think of whatever it is that you're afraid of and then in some small capacity you try it bite-sized pieces but like try it absolutely no that's great that's great advice and you know going back a little bit you know i i didn't know that you were a christian that doesn't impact anything one way or another that's not either here nor there but i won't this does i this wasn't in uh my list to ask but i'm i'm very curious you know how has your faith impacted you growing and embracing parts of yourself or finding your way through struggles, you know, has it, what are the tenets of your Christian faith that you you've embraced the strongest and that you think are most important to you in terms of uh, overcoming obstacles and shaping the way that you think about life? So depending on what people really feel about God, right. As a entity, I, I really love apologetics Bible studies for this reason. They look at this as a book and explore the history and the timeline. And so that's, that's where I got my basis for a lot of my evidence. Right. And so when I stacked up all the evidence, I was like, I believe that despite everything in this world, God as an entity is a loving creature and that he is about the good of those that love him. So once I figured that out, I was like, all right, what is this that I need to do then in my own walk, in my own life? And I have been so back and forth on all of this. I have since been 
outside of Bible studies, inside of Bible studies. I forget to pray for months on end. I attend church and then I go on tour and then I haven't attended church in a long time. So like it's, there's all of these different things. So I want, so this is what I can tell you about faith and what I've learned about it is that like the path should look like a straight line and it won't, it never will. We are imperfect. So when you're talking about like accepting your shadows, that applies to anything too. I would yeah. Imagine. I am. Any, I am faith, any that belief. in yeah. my faith as well. And, and one of the, one of my greatest friends in the church was like, it's supposed to be this and it's going to look like this. So don't freak out, <laughs> you know, but right, come back to right. what you know and come back to yourself and come back to what you, why you believe what you believe. And, and I really loved that because I felt like it was an informed faith. It's not a blind faith. Um, and I think that it was something I could do soul searching for my own walk, my own self, and to try and put in perspective, what does this faith expect of me? What does God expect of me? And, and I think that I can be my true self without, um, I try not to, you know, like that PG 13 thing I was talking right. about for myself. I'm like, I really don't think I need to like swear up and down and be super abrasive or like, you know, have my body out all over the place in order for me to like get across what I'm doing. And like, shout out to anybody else that's out there doing those things. If that's how they feel that they want to express themselves, like that's their art. It doesn't make you less of a person or less, you know, less good of a person. No, or less good of an artist. I mean, sometimes it's very dependent on like, hey, we're we're breaking down constructs about sexuality and expectations and challenging normative bounds. And like, that's their thing. It's just not my thing. Right. And, and, you know, like we said, this applies to any faith, you know, whether you're you, you believe in Buddhism or a personal philosophy or whatever you adhere to in your life, it's, it's smart to say it's not going to be a straight path. You know, you're going to have doubts, you're going to change. And that's what really this, this podcast was kind of all about is to help people who are struggling and they're they looking for something to find something that resonates with them and to try it. Like you said, just try it little steps, just yeah. experience something new and, and, and be open-minded to it. And, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I'm not a Christian in the traditional sense or in the, I guess in the non-traditional sense, but I, I pull so much from the Bible and from Christian teaching that impacts my life that I choose to adhere my values around. Like Jesus, ultimately, like a lot of spiritual leaders says, hey, embrace everyone, be a good person, be kind to people, treat people with kindness and love regardless. No one is beyond redemption. Like it's been, I think people just have a disillusionment with it because it's been twisted by people in the news and people we see on TV who are just, just do not adhere to what Christ is saying. In Christian yeah. teaching and in the Bible. And I'm curious, you know, of those tenets, what are things in the Bible or in, in Christianity like that Jesus says? Is it, is it being kind? Is it the all-embracing love? Is it the the inclusiveness that's supposed to be there? You know, what are the things that Christ teaches that are most important to you? The three and, and that you think are most important to everybody just to kind of, if they want to pull from Christian faith to implement into their own life? What are the three most important tenets? I guess it doesn't have to be three, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really think people should look into what love is supposed to be. So many humans have twisted it and I totally agree with you. Um, I think there is a really powerful problem with how we define words, language, right? I think that love is the pinnacle like understanding that this entity's reason for your existence was love and 
to, I don't know, maybe not be alone, that there is supposed to be this after, after this life, after this world, which honestly makes sense to me because there's so much about this place that we don't even understand. We can't even get to the bottom of our oceans yet. How are you going to tell me that there's just nothing? There's it's just scary. Nothing? Scary. Yeah, you know what I'm, I'm not, saying? I'm like, not diving down there. No, no, no. Uh, have you ever seen how big some of those like, sh- like giant whales are? I've seen those bit, squids, like, those squid yeah. videos that are like, it's like green because it's so dark down there. It's like the <laughs> night vision and you see this Cthulhu looking creature under the water. And I'm just like, I'm staying <laughs> as that. far away from that as possible. Right. Mm-mm. Nope. And that's, that's the other thing. I mean, it's, it's cool like, as hell. Let me say that it's cool right, as hell, but I'm, I'm staying rad. far away from it. Yeah. Right. Like, please stay over there. But also that's awesome. Um, yeah, that I, it's, it's incredible. The things that are here are incredible. I took several college courses about different other like bio life mechanisms and the things that happen at the molecular level, even within our bodies to like heal itself. It's just fascinating. The, the complexity yeah. within a blade of grass almost made me fail. It, it reminds a science me, course. there's literally a phenomenon <laughs> where photons, it's the slit, the famous slit experiment. If nobody knows about it, you can look it up. It's crazy on, on Wikipedia or on the internet where they, they shot photons through two slits and the particles that they went through i can't remember i'm i'm not entirely versed on this so someone could correct me in comments or 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 tell me that i'm wrong somewhere but without observing them if you don't look if you just shoot the particles at the slits and you don't look at them like you literally close your eyes and look at them they behave as particles but if you literally open your eyes and observe them and look at them they behave as waves which is crazy that uh, literally we have an impact on particles by like just looking at them yeah. is yeah is explain crazy. that yeah okay so there's there's this other comedian i don't know if you've seen this but it's all over tiktok he was like it doesn't make any sense right <laughs> he's, he's talking about the fact that like particle he's like do you know what happens when i my hand is made of particles this stool is also made of particles and do you know what what happens when we ask why don't they move through each other we don't know. <laughs> it's like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's this whole thing is that the like existence doesn't make sense. So like stop yeah. trying to feel like we know about everything, right. right? And I hear that. I really and I feel that and I think that maybe as a human species we should embrace a little bit more tolerance for like the stuff that we don't know or what we thought we knew because there's a whole bunch of that stuff that we thought we knew like the world is flat that's now been disproven so like there's all kinds of these at least i hope i hope that people understand the world is not (laughs) it is not flat sorry flat earthers in the comments i'm sorry it's not flat (laughs) there there is there's just so much about this place that we just it's fascinating we don't understand a thousand percent of maybe even what we think we do we've learned so much and i don't want to take that away from us as a human species we've really i mean medical advancement and everything else is just it's incredible what we've been able to do um but there are so many other things that are just about our natural world that don't operate the way that we expect them to like water it's one of the only substances that operates the same that that particular way everything else is like it would freeze from like the bottom up water doesn't do that it floats, I mean, on top of the ice, but it doesn't all the way through. And the like the way that the molecules operate, it's different. It's different. So I say all that because I have also added up the things that I don't understand or these like random miracles that occur here. And I really, really find that for me, it's difficult to believe this is all very much an accident. 
or an explosion or whatever. So when I, when I think about those things and then I read things in the Bible that tell me about this love, right? So when I define other things in my world, I'm describing what I'm seeing. And so I think sometimes love is that way. We describe what we see, what other output is or, and, and so I don't necessarily know that like everything that we feel like we see or we um, experience and our, you know, our, our, our world is just a collection of like observations and, and feelings. Right. But like the way that God defines love is bigger than I think maybe we understand and more encompassing and, and more forgiving, but maybe even more demanding than what we understand. Um, there's just, there's so much that's there. So I, I would just, and, and that answers for me a question as to why do I have this hole punched through my chest mm. and every single human that I look at on this planet earth is all looking for love. That's what our whole experience is seeking. And that's what God provides. I don't think that's, I don't think that's accident. Well, first of all, Keith Buckley would absolutely agree with you because I believe we he said something very similar about love being kind of the, it's the end all be all of everything. And second of all, you must be reading my mind because this goes perfectly into the next thing I wanted to get into. But, you know, first of all, I just wanted to say personally, I think something else that is really cool about Christianity and not just Christianity, but, you know, you see, you see it a lot in Christian teaching is kind of the joy of mystery, the joy of the unknown and in not understanding mm. I think that's a really beautiful thing. I think a lot of people, they love to know everything or they try to know as much as they can and they, they get a fulfillment from that. And that's that's awesome. Like I love science and that's what science is all about. We want to know and it can explain so, so much. And the advancements it'll make in the future, I, I can't even wrap my brain around. But there is also a joy to asking these kinds of questions and not knowing the answer. I don't know the answer to a lot of these questions I'm asking, but there's a joy to that. And there's a, a bliss that can be found in kind of that mystery of the unknown. Yeah, just, I think that's a really cool tenet of a lot of Christian teachings. But again, it goes beyond Christian teaching. But you see, there is actually there. a Bible verse that says question everything. And I think that's because there is so much, like you said, like humans have twisted some of these, these pinnacles, these tenets, and some of the, the message that is, yeah. that is out there is like, very much used out of context really or to certain people's means. It really you know? has. It's been twisted. You know, a lot of Christian teachings have been twisted towards hating other people and, and which is why so many people are turned off from a lot of organized Christianity, organized religion in the church and all of that, sure. because you see a lot of the mega churches and the people that don't exactly practice what they preach and they preach a lot mm. of things. And what they do preach is most times not, you know, is not empathetic and not compassionate like Jesus would probably want and, mm -hmm. and, and embracing of everyone. Um, yeah, hellfire. I used to uh, go throughout my um, undergraduate like library. There was like a like a little cul-de-sac area on campus, and they would preach hellfire and brimstone from like the monument that stood in the. You're in really going to get a lot of people. You're going to attract a lot of people doing that. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's really eye-opening for me. No wonder why people ruling do not through fear. That's a, my what a great tactic. I'm sure that because worked of out you. Great. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure that worked out great. Um, I love that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. I'm sure that worked out. Yeah, great. I'm sure that worked How out that, great for you ruling yeah. through fear because it's such a great tactic. Exactly. I think I think it's um, it's it's really cool for me to see more middle ground than extremism, because extremism is I feel like what we've gotten ourselves these last several years within uh, the pandemic, 
uh, with the, the elections, with every, everything has been chaos because there's so much that is divided and polarized and including religion. And I just, I just feel like we should be asking more questions like this. So I agree with you. I'm, I'm hopeful that this podcast just blows up and everybody loves it because we need more of that middle ground sort of conversation, asking genuine inquisitive questions and talking things out. I want to go talk about love next because you talked about love is the most important thing. And we're mm. going to go, we're going to go for those who listened a couple of weeks ago, speaking of Adam Gante, we're going to go back to our old friend, Soren Kierkegaard, existentialist Soren Kierkegaard. Um, yeah. You have a lot of songs about passion and love, like human passion and human love on your, on your new record. And Kierkegaard, uh, who listeners um, remember from a couple of weeks ago, he was very wary when he fell in love. You know, mm -hmm. he regarded passionate, what he called preferential love as reflective mm -hmm. of our own desires in terms of the other person providing us something or sure. giving giving us something that makes us feel good instead of a love that you can freely give away without expecting anything in return. I disagree in the sense that I think you can grow into a love like that with a partner mm -hmm. over time once the honeymoon phase is over. You know, how do you feel about that kind of his notion of love and my disagreement with it. Sure. I think anything can exist in stages um, and look differently from person to person, specifically a whole novel that could be considered love, right? It's not, it's not a transaction, but some people might define it that way, which I think kind of kicks it back to, I'm, I'm also very, I guess, critical of Kierkegaard's uh, description, right? He's, he says it's preference and, you know, but you and I talked and I was like, yeah, but what you learn is what you know to look for. And mm. so is that your preference or is it just what you think you're supposed to be looking for? Cause that's what you were taught um, or that's what you've observed. And uh, especially now going even deeper into the psychological uh, implications of how you feel about self and self-talk, is this all you feel that you deserve? And that's what you're mm, going right. after. So I think that there's a lot of different ways and that's why I want to be careful about how we define words and things like love. Is it truly love? Is it the best example of love? Is it a love that is healthy? Or is it a love that is toxic? If it's toxic, is it love? Like there's a lot of things that you could go through with that. Do you think a lot of people fall in love or lust just because they're getting something out of it from a selfish point of view? Do you think that now more than ever that's happening? Or do you think that that's not necessarily like a, a time frame thing? Or do you just something maybe we notice more because of social media? What do you think? I think that we have a big mental health problem mm. that no one is talking about. Because I think what we look for is very much fueled by how we feel about self. So even the people that are looking for love or looking for lust or looking, I think it is about something that they get out of that. I think it's, it's because they maybe want to continue to play victim. Right. If I if I get better, then I have to do other things in my life, make changes. These are these are difficult things. We don't like change. So even I, I found that people who struggle intensely or struggle chronically even with anxiety problems, depression problems, they accept that this is their life because that is what's comfortable and that's what's easy. Right. So like their choice of partners is going to be colored by that. It's about the lenses that we look through. So I think it could be what they get out of it, even if what they get out of it's not great. I definitely agree with you. It's a very intricate and multifaceted topic that can't be really approached from one angle, but we, there is a mental health problem if it hasn't been apparent enough in the past two years, like, you know, through the pandemic years and everything. No kidding. Way, way beyond that. But the last really big topic I wanted to talk with you about is grief, because one of my favorite songs on your record was Ghost. It's the song that kind of struck me the most 
which I believe is about the process of grieving the death of a loved one and how it's always hardest at night when you're left alone with your thoughts. And, you know, mm -hmm. the night always has an impact on us pretty much about anything that's stuck in our brain. Why do you think that is? Why do you think this is? Is it because of is it because of us being alone with our thoughts? at night and you know what did you personally experience with grief do you feel it's a necessary emotion to be able to heal and what are things and people that you turn to to help you overcome grief yeah we talked a little bit earlier about building tolerance for things that are unchanging right we can't explain everything that we go through but one of those things right if you're if you're constantly as we are as humans seeking connection and love when that relationship is fractured by death you will feel something and it won't be pretty and i think that's one of the things that we need to build tolerance for i absolutely think that grief is needed for for healing you know just like a lot of maybe negative unwanted emotions really like i said are unwanted but they serve a purpose right anger sadness and to avoid those things is just to create bigger problems down the road so as a matter of fact ghost started lyrically as a story that i had written about a relationship that had changed wasn't initially characterized by death but we we went as far as to say that okay maybe this is the death of the person that i once knew though that person had been irrevocably changed and literal or result. metaphorical death then right you're right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's in that same grieving process. And I feel like a lot of people could relate to that. Like even obviously everybody has probably lost someone that they know to death in some way. Some people are, are blessed enough that they have not lost someone very close to them in that way. But how many times do we see that relationships change, different things, you know, characterize the, the connection between two people. And so maybe they choose to break off the relationship or like a, a, you know, you're left wanting regardless, right? So how I need you, how I can't breathe, right? This very angry kind of lyrical content about like, you left, you're gone. This is your fault, almost, right? Even right. if it's not, I'm blaming you because I, I feel a certain way. Now I have to grieve when I didn't want to, but no one ever does. You know, there are always people out there that you can turn to, friends. Those are important resources if you are going through grief. And sometimes you do need to be alone, but never, I would say never, it would be probably be good not to shut yourself off completely from from the people around you that love you. Um, yeah. Have you ever heard of the concept of like grief timers? You seem very... Uh, no. I, I've never heard that. about like different different psychological I appreciate uh, you saying you know, that because I feel people. like I'm a dumbass half the time but no I mean you reference <laughs> names I haven't heard since college man Kierkegaard and all these other people I'm like oh yeah yeah that hopefully it does, um, doesn't come across as too pretentious I just hope to no no uh, I like it and you're referencing oh, you. things that are relevant so so but but in in addition to that so like one of the coping skills that we talk about a yeah, lot tell me is um like a like a 20 minute grief timer right so like when you try your day and it's just too hard and you feel like you're going to go to pieces. A lot of people get scared that when they go to pieces, they won't be able to pick the pieces back up. Right. But when we talk about trying things right in bite-sized pieces, maybe 20 minutes, maybe even 10 minutes, just give yourself a timer to let it all fall apart. Scream, cry, throw a pillow at something, whatever it is that you have to do and think about how terrible it is, how terrifying it is, how sad you truly are. And let yourself have the emotions just have at you. But when that timer goes off, it's a reset. It's something that you can say, okay, I've felt it. I've not avoided it. I've gone through it. And now I can put it down. I'm just going to leave it here on this couch or leave it here on this chair. And I'm going to get to my day. 
I'm going to get to my kids. I'm going to get to whatever I got to do. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to whatever it is. And if, if, you know, I'm going through my normal, I'm at work and I need a break, right? Find a space, set your timer, take your break, you know, and then try and get back to it. Some days maybe you can't and that's okay too, but at least this will give you like a start point to be able to experience those emotions and let them, let them exist. Well, Eva, with that being said, that brings us to our final segments of the show, which I like to call Tomes of Wisdom and the Chaser. So first up is Tomes of Wisdom, where each guest recommends us three pieces of media that have inspired them philosophically or spiritually in the last year. And this can be books, films, games, comics, you know, anything that's made you think about your own life or life of the world in a different way. So Eva, what are three pieces of media you've consumed that you would recommend for us to digest? I would check out a couple of websites. There is a musicians fund called Sweet Relief, um, Sweet Relief Musicians Fund. And they are a wonderful company doing really cool things for people in the music industry specifically who are needing mental health, but have financial barriers. And I think that's a really dope way to just look at the positive things that people are trying to do for each other, uh, specifically within the music community. Um, the other one that I would highly recommend is psychologytoday.com. Not only do they have like the publication itself, but there's actually like an entire website where you can kind of check out who is seeing new clients in your area and try and like look at people's profiles, different practitioners. Um, it could be anybody. I think they've got social workers, licensed uh, family, family therapists on there, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, and they will let you know about basics, whether or not they're accepting new clients, where their office is located, uh, how their, what their approach to treatment is, um, because they have like small bios, um, which is cool. Specifically, if you have an insurance company, I always recommend people call your insurance, get a list of names that are people that you know are in your network, and then cross-reference that with psychology today. You know what? I realized that I am an auditory learner so you I are on a was, podcast right now, just in yeah. case you didn't know. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm, I'm like more, you know, and, and I'm also like a musician. So yeah, of course I use my ears. Um, but I, I think too, I was not reading because it was like, literally, I felt like I had to have time to sit down and open whatever book or open whatever, or just even to scroll around. Like I needed to pay attention to what was happening on the, but audiobooks have saved my life. It's a very like, take your brain out kind of thing. I have my Kindle read to me and it's just whatever fantasy vampire shenanigans drama I feel like listening to. And it literally is like, have you been talking thing. to my wife? I, <laughs> I don't know how all the same we really are, but like most <laughs> yeah, there's, there's probably some pinnacles where you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely like a, a woman thing. You know, I'm cool with that. I'll tell like, her you generalizations that, She'll get a kick a out of that. She'll think that's yes. great. Um, vampire novels and and uh different you know fantasy stories are kind of my jam but that's really cool because i can like do I, I work on my own like tour jackets and things like that so as i'm just kind of bustling around i can i can also listen to my book which is cool sweet thank you so much and finally this is the segment i like to call the chaser in the chaser we ask the same 10 rapid fire questions for each guest and we ask that they keep their answer to 30 seconds or less are you ready eva let's go do you believe in fate or free will and why Free will, because I've changed my mind before. What is a stronger force in the world, love or hate, and why? Love, because it overcomes hate every time. Who are the three most important spiritual and moral guides in your life, and why? Ooh, uh, me, <laughs> because I like to 
ask a lot of questions. Um, my preacher, because he also endeavors to answer those questions and gives me other references other than himself. And uh, my friends, because even when they don't believe the same way I do, they will have an educated conversation with me about it. What was the most spiritual place for you where you grew up and why? Ooh, most spiritual place. Ah. And this can be, just to clarify, this can be like an experience <gasps> you didn't know was spiritual. Like as a child, I, you're like, you experience something and you're like, oh, this means something, but I don't know how to categorize it yet. I got it. Probably, I'm going to tell you a moment. It was like 2005 Warp Tour, just a Detroit date. It was the first time that my band had played in any kind of festival capacity ever. And we were at the local stage, which was a bunch of flats in a corner, right? And we were like, eh, this is going to be practice. I looked up halfway between the first song and was like 400 people at a standstill. And I went, hands up. And they all went, yeah. And I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. From that moment on, I was like, yep, this is how I'm supposed to exist. I get it now. <laughs> you found your bliss. Joseph Campbell would say you're following your bliss. There uh, you go. What is the most delicious meal you've had in the last month? And where was it? <gasps> Probably... We were just in Sacramento and I had some really awesome Mexican food. It was actually like a really cool version of fajitas. Really bomb. Ooh, sounds really good. Yes. When was the last time you felt lost? <laughs> Probably like two days ago when I couldn't find my keys. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> or, or like 20 minutes ago. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> like I'm, I'm one of those directionally challenged people and I never remember where I put stuff. Do you think the universe bends towards order or towards chaos and why? Order. For all the reasons that we just talked about. I mean, the various wild things that just randomly people think happen, but I'm like, ah, that, that looks very intentional. <laughs> what is the most important piece of your childhood that you've held on to and why? Physical or like metaphorical or emotional? Pro probably the fact that like I've just never shut up. Like that's... And now I make my living from that <laughs> talking and or singing. Um, and, I, and I think that that's because I've, I've learned to talk about things that matter and ask questions that matter. So I think that's been a maybe a more medical metaphorical thing that I've taken away from it. What is one axiom or quote that centers you and calms you in dark times? Question everything from my Bible verses. I just, you know, like I... I experience things and I want to know what in the world is happening, but I also experience things and I'm like, wow, this is great. This is happening. Right. So in each one of those moments, I kind of think, wow, okay. Yeah. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to ask these questions. Very stoic way of thinking too. love stoicism uh, to yeah. everyone who has ever been touched by your words and music. What do you say? Just a giant. Thank you. I mean, literally every single person who has listened to our songs, just, validates for me my my experience you know uh because i i write from a very personal space and so if you're listening i appreciate that because i feel heard eva you have just engaged in psychic warfare thank you so much for joining me today it truly means the world oh you're a rock star i appreciate you having me man yeah hopefully we'll get a chance to catch up soon
Hey everybody, it's Chris here again. I just wanted to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for listening to Psychic Warfare. It truly means the world, and it would really mean a lot to me if you could subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening on, uh, and especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could rate the podcast five stars and, and leave a comment about what you thought about it. It really helps boost visibility and get more eyes on the podcast. Um, that would be really, really great. Thank you guys so much for listening again, and I can't wait to hear what you guys thought of the episode. And I'll see you in the next one.